If you're a physician who wants more autonomy in how you practice or fulfillment in your life, you're in the right place. This is the Change Physician Podcast, where our guests reveal how you can learn the mindsets, skills, and strategies to create the life you want without selling out your morals or values. But before we begin, I want to remind you of the free book giveaways, guides, and other physician resources available to you at thechangephysician.com. Hey folks, welcome back to the Change Physician Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Kevin Kukaro, with my stupendous, my, a, uh, you put too much pressure on me. And you now I have to say all these adjectives. I, I do. Now I need all the special adjectives uh, for describing how wonderful that you are. And I didn't obviously have enough time to prepare these things. But anyway, my, my amazing co-host, Dr. Melissa Katie, whose adjectives simply cannot describe uh for another episode of the change position podcast so melissa how are you today i'm good it's a beautiful sunny a little incredibly hot uh day here in austin but i did run in that weather a little earlier today so i'm very grateful to get out there before the 100 degree weather you were a brave a brave person and that actually makes me think of a story that will lead into a topic that I want to discuss for this episode. Okay. Um, so you're talking about extreme heat. And when I, uh, in 2008, I was deployed to Djibouti, Africa. Djibouti, Africa, um, since we have an explicit rating, I can say that some people will call it as the ass crack of Africa. Part of that has to do that it is at the end of the Rift Valley, which is, you know, the Rift Valley in Africa, it is a spreading part where the tectonic plates have met. Um, it is also one of the hottest places in the world, where hottest habitable places in the world with temperatures of 120 degrees plus. Wow. There's two seasons. There's hot and dry, and then there's hot and wet, uh, depending on when the prevailing breeze comes off of the, the Gulf of Aden into, into Djibouti and Djibouti City, where we were. Wow. And so that was, so it made me think about that is because, um, you had to acclimate obviously and people would run and you would just like be drenched in sweat. Like when I went to exercise, I actually did it like five in the morning before the sun would go up because mm -hmm. it was still really hot, but mm -hmm. you can get out there and do stuff versus these crazy people who are running during the day, sweat, 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 sweat. But on that particular deployment, I was deployed with um, a surgeon from San Diego who ended up being actually a good friend of a of one of my co co-workers in the pain clinic they had deployed previously together to Iraq and uh, Tom don't ask me why I gave this some reason he had a psychologist friend that gave him all these books it, most of them about relationships and he's like ah oh, you should read them <laughs> I'm like you don't know anything about my relationships and maybe she gave them for you for a reason about your relationship I don't know but he gave me this book this is by um, John Gottman who is a psychologist out of Seattle. Actually, here's my boarding pass for, um, for my trip home from deployment, actually, because we had these little crazy boarding passes. But uh, John Gottman is a, a psychologist in, in Seattle. I can't remember the name of the particular institute, but what he is very, very well known for, and which he actually has data to support, which I also really like, because a lot of the psychological stuff that cuts out um, or lots of the common stuff that people have doesn't have a lot of data behind it, but he's been studying relationships and marriages for long periods of times. And he puts forth a statistic that based on an interview, a very short interview with a couple, um, they're predicting divorce about, they can predict for divorce with like 70 plus percent accuracy, if not more, because this book was written a while ago. And so they've data has only improved since then. 
And what I found really kind of interesting about this book is there's seven particular principles that they say about how to make marriage work. But the ones that I wanted to talk about for today was the signs of, a, of difficulty in a relationship. Yeah. And what he calls them are the four horsemen. So if it's okay with you, mm-hmm. I would talk about the four horsemen of relationship apocalypse. Let's do so, that. Um, so he goes, I call them the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Usually these four horsemen clop, clop, clip, clop into the heart of a marriage in the following order, mm-hmm. criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. Mm-hmm. And what is interesting about this progression is the worst of these. So it kind of think about them and which one is actually signs and symptoms or whatever. So so the, the, the worst one of the four out of the criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling is you start with criticism when you're finding these, these the, when you're critiquing your spouse for seeing all the negatives that they have rather than focusing on the positives. That I think has an important relevance because we typically fall into relationships for both the positive as the negative reasons. People don't seem to appreciate that as a lot of the things that you think drive you crazy are oftentimes one of the reasons that you were initially attracted to your spouse or other relationship person in the first place. But when we start attacking those with criticism, we fall, we then can proceed to the second horseman of contempt. And that contempt horseman is particularly dangerous because now we're not criticizing this person for maybe the ideas, but when we're viewing somebody with contempt, we're started looking at who they are. And so now we've internalized this viewpoint where the, the person that you're involved with, this other person in this relationship, is no longer um, someone that you necessarily care about in any way. And so once you've reached the contempt stage, it becomes very, very then uh, easy to proceed into the second two, which is defensiveness. So if someone brings up something that may be critical, there's a difference between criticism and critical content, right? So criticism can be har- harsh, generally unhelpful, but if you can get uh, a critical feedback being may not be pleasant, but can provide you information that you need to necessitate change. In fact, it's relevant to it. But if you're no longer willing to listen to this, because now you're contemptuous of who the person is talking to you, you start falling in defensiveness where now you don't listen anymore. And then defensiveness, you start doing the butts or, you know, or you make excuses where it's not relevant, whatever. It's not important to me. It's just this person telling me these bad things. And ultimately then that falls into stonewalling where now you've tuned them out completely, where now they may be speaking, but it's sort of like the Charlie Brown talk of wah, 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 wah. Mm-hmm. So I, I find this, um, I think the book is interesting. I think the, the concepts are pretty good. I think once I became aware of those four horsemen, I became uh, much more attuned to them in my own relationships, particularly with my own marriage. Um, but if from having heard this, in your own personal experience, have you seen with some hindsight bias, whether or not maybe those four horsemen have ever been present in any of your previous or present relationships? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> End um, of episode, folks. It's nice to we'll see you on the next time. So question about when someone is when they discuss the um, defensiveness could that be with the person you're in a relationship with and people that are viewing your relationship, maybe trying to give their opinions or worried about you? 
I think there's on two levels. So this book is specifically about the relationship dialogue itself. So it's whenever the, the other, you know, typically is the spouse that's involved, whoever your significant other is, when you have, um, and these are, he describes them and they typically will fall into that criticism, contempt, defensiveness, stonewalling stat pattern, but it doesn't have to be like, it's not like it's a okay. linear for all differences. It's, but the defensiveness comes, um, there's again, specific about, relationship defensiveness. I do think though, that just like everything's there's the meta and there's the micro and there's um, and the macro level for this. So if we're looking at this on sort of the macro micro level, this is specifically about relationships, but on a more meta level, these concepts are as important to communication and societal relationships. Mm -hmm. So I, I defensiveness comes in is when you're not hearing the message anymore. So that's a long way to say is the book is about interpersonal relationships and specifically really about those kind of primary ones. But I do think the concept is as relevant to external factors and maybe someone who is not, who are you are not directly involved in say a intimate relationship with maybe family member, maybe friends, et cetera, where you are, you are neglecting to hear that message because you simply have stopped listening or responding instead of you, instead of finding, well, how, you know, what is the information or nugget in this comment? this critical comment that they're providing to me. Well, what about it is true? What, how could it possibly be true? How can I learn and grow from this? Or how, can, what useful bits I can take away instead of kind of approaching it from that route. Instead, all you're saying, well, that this isn't true. This is why it's not true. This is why it isn't true. And this is, or even worse, who is this person to give me this advice? You know, who are they to tell me because, you know, they're, uh, uh, they're mean, they're hurtful, they, their own life is a wreck or, or whatever. We're using that defensiveness to not listen to useful content. Yeah, well, let me just say that I, uh, from my past, went all the way to the Stonewall. Um, so uh, probably because I found that this relationship was not going anywhere in the sense it was healthy. So from a um, emotionally... Um, manipulative, um, hurtful situation, um, and just my own, you know, health in general. Um, we'll just leave it at that. Um, a lot of these, there's no point in the details of the complexities of my prior relationship and prior marriage um, are beyond conversation here. <laughs> um, but it is uh, noteworthy that um, I asked you that question that, um, I didn't want to hear it from other people that I may have made a poor choice and that I wasn't in a healthy relationship. So it wasn't just within, I think I struggled and tried to hold on to and create it and make it the way I thought and envisioned the relationship should be. But like a recent episode, the future was not going to be any different than the present because <laughs> I was still dealing with, with somebody that um, did not care about or didn't demonstrate out of behavior a concern for my well-being or my happiness. So, um, you know, uh, that I had to come to terms with, which took an external situation that happened um, with someone I care about that um, I couldn't fathom treating that person that way. So it's very vague uh, on purpose to protect the people. But um, I, for years, did not have any deep, emotional conversations um, that was that I was willing to reflect 
on the situation at hand. And so I think I got to 13 years with this particular relationship, 10 years of marriage, 13 years together. That would have probably, if I had had the capacity, emotional intelligence and didn't have the naivete or however you want to say the word, um, <laughs> I always feel like I say it wrong. Uh, I wasn't so naive. Um, I would have seen things like in probably that first year would have never proceeded, you know, to the next year. So um, my pride, my ego, my lack of understanding of relationships um, kept me in an unhealthy situation for 13 years, which, by the way, stunted my own personal growth. So um, I, at that point, completely cut off my relationship, had no desire, despite the fact that I had loved this person for so long, I knew they weren't healthy. So I had to cut off completely. Um, so the extreme version <laughs> of, I couldn't even want to be in the presence of this person because I was emotionally vulnerable. Um, but in my current relationship, I'd say that I dip into that critiquing and you got to look at my past, you know, um, even though this person is a different person, I still, um, I am who I am and uh, I am human and I will notice things that are negative or not to, that are not in my control. <laughs> and if it doesn't, like, it's, it's easy to judge and easy to critique when it's not done the way you do things. You know, I'm taking, talking more like about how you live in your own home, more of like roommate situations, not, you know, our love for one another, but um, I'm also very oriented to the future and achieving <laughs> and not really good about being in the moment all the time, which my husband's great at. And so we're yin and yang. And so I can sometimes judge who he is based on how I perceive what is valuable, such as, you know, killing yourself to achieve multiple things that may not even really bring you joy internally. So I'd say those first two, I dip in and out of because I, I, I am aware of that. And I recognize I need to change the dialogue in my mind <laughs> and what I'm noticing. So there you go. I, and, I, and I think that's, again, when you kind of look at the stuff on a meta level, where it is about interpersonal relationships, that those are they are very useful content uh, concepts for it because i think being human there's a reason that he sees these patterns is because it's a human related pattern which means that we're all likely to slip into those things mm -hmm. and i think in some ways it the the, the biggest one in what, what what gottman says is the worst thing is contempt like once contempt has entered a relationship it becomes very very difficult to not necessarily saying it's impossible in any way, shape or form, but with contempt, uh, there's, it's, that's a bad sign. Like, in fact, I think that's one of the signs they use is like impending divorce. Like, yeah. and it's crazy the data they have on this stuff. Like it is, it's insane. The other two, three though, I think are relevant to who we are and how we've learned to communicate because stonewalling, which is a particularly damaging form of communication. I've noticed that is very easy for me to do. And in it, and like, so you're, you're, you were mentioning criticism, maybe easier, perhaps on your, your upbringing for me, the stonewalling as compared to criticism is, was easier because 
I never, I don't like, this is going to sound probably weird for some people, but I don't enjoy conflict. Like I'm a conflict avoider. Yeah, me too. Probably more, less now than I used to be. Um, but particularly with a relationship, I always associated conflict with end. Like if there was a con, like, you know, it's always weird how you get this mm-hmm. stuff, but it's like, oh, if people fight, then the relationship is over kind of a deal. So anytime that there was some sort of thing like that, rather than actually have a, and conflict is not necessarily, I don't want to get the impression that everything is perfect all the time. You need, there's a healthy conflict. That could be a topic for another episode because there's some really cool concepts about that that are really useful. But stonewalling isn't because if, if, if there's stone, there's no room, there's no communication with whoever that you're involved with. And there's no, they're, they're left with a lot of gaps to kind of fill in. Um, that's just a long way to say is I don't think it's, it's either, or, and I don't want to make it sound like that, that because they're described as the four horsemen, if you're ever critical of someone, that's a, that's evil, bad, and your relationship is doomed. It's really recognizing that these are, these are aspects of communication and what you're looking at is the intent behind it, the awareness you are of that any sort of communication has the deliverer of the message and the recipient. And one of my favorite things about communication is once you've moved beyond the way of, well, you should have understood what I said, to flipping that and taking an, a, a recipient perspective and thinking, how are they hearing what I am saying? And if they are not, if it's not, if if how I am communicating is not, if they're not responding in the way that I'm expecting or they're, then it's probably my fault, meaning I am not communicating in the most effective way. Um, but for, from a relation standpoint, I think the key for this out of criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling is to be on the lookout for contempt. Because if, if these more negative aspects of communication start to develop over time. And we start failing into this contemptuous nature to whoever it is that you're involved with. That could be a sign either a, the relationship should end or B maybe we need to take a harsh look at uh, ourselves, um, our partner uh, discuss, you know, then you're asking yourself to discuss these concepts with a partner, which can be very difficult to do. Um, yeah. But, but that's where, change then is going to lie. That's where the point where change would really be is recognizing if contempt is starting to surface, do I want this or do I not want this? Am I willing to change? Are they willing to change in order to, to eliminate that contempt? I think that's um, a very good thing to be focused on in any sort of relationship, particularly with your significant other, rather than this idea that, there's this Disney-esque thing that you meet somebody, you fall in love, and then there's no conflict, there's no discussion, there's no growth. Uh, it's just supposed to be in the happy place that we talked about in another episode, that somehow you just arrive in the happy place and everything's fine and doesn't change. That's not the way it works. Uh, there will be conflict in your relationships. There will be episodes where someone is going to perceive your critical content as criticism, that you may be defensive because they're kind of reflecting a little bit, something that may you, know, you don't want to see, but you need to see. And maybe you even fall into stonewalling because you want to avoid that, that conflict, but being aware enough to recognize is, is it rooted in contempt or not, I think is really, really crucial. See, this conversation has created a little more clarity for me here um, and understanding maybe these four different horsemen you're talking about. But the part I slip into the most is criticism, 
and I never feel contempt. Um, or at least I don't identify it as that. Um, and I was just looking up the, the definition to make sure I understood it correctly. The feeling that a person or a thing is beneath consideration, worthless or deserving scorn. I did feel that at, at some point uh, in my prior marriage and that's why I left. Um, and I didn't feel respected and it wasn't healthy and we weren't making any personal improvement. There was no mutual desire for that. Um, so that was the intuition I had to get out of that. Um, the stonewalling though, it kind of threw me there because then I started thinking, wait a minute, like my parents don't really like, you know, um, conflict either. And there's a lot of demonstrations, role modeling of um, just getting quiet. And like you said, there's that abyss of not understanding what's going on in their mind and not communicating, mm -hmm. uh, healthy communication. And in my first marriage, this is my second marriage, um, <laughs> just for clarity, um, in my first marriage, I physically and visually can recall the pain I felt when I didn't feel treated well and I didn't agree, but I was, it's almost like you're trying to be a good person by not being upset. And I internalized it and I never really had gotten GI pain. Like I literally felt like I was almost like you just got broken up with and it's just like, it just hits you in the gut. It felt like that for me when I was trying to deal with this like pain of something I didn't feel like I was treated well. And then I just kept tolerating it because I didn't want to like go through that. Um, and so I never was really good about talking about things I wasn't happy with. Um, in regards to how I was treated and, and all this stuff, thing, things that went on. When I left that relationship, I felt this, this resurgence of confidence to like be who I am and like speak my mind and um, feel like if I was in a relationship in the future that I'd be able to, you know, um, not be an idiot either with things that may have, you know, been held back from me, um, whether I was cheated on or whatever it was. And um, I can say that the thing that's changed the most about me now is that I can have those conversations um, about things that are negative. They're still not easy. They're still uncomfortable for me, but I actually do it. Um, but I still have those moments and my husband catches me on it um, where I try to do a little stonewalling because I just don't want to deal with talk about the feelings or emotions um, cause they're typically, they're a negative sensation. And so, um, but he's good about, you know, helping me, uh, and not letting me keep doing the stonewalling. <laughs> so it, it's, um, it's so much better than before. So, I mean, change is possible. Um, but I, I'm super grateful. I have someone that is mutually interested in that personal development, not just as individuals, but as a couple. Mm -hmm. Um, so my own flaws are, fixating on the negative in this OCD perfectionistic kind of like joy is from perfection, you know, whatever that is. Um, so the critiquing um, and the, uh, what was the other one? Uh, not contempt. Um, defensiveness. Defense. I'm like, God, I'm probably the perfect example of defensiveness. <laughs> I'm not as bad as some other people I'm related to because um, I'm very aware of it. So I can 
stop it sooner. <laughs> um, but that ego is so like prideful, whatever you want to call it. But the critiquing from the OCD perfectionistic kind of attitude with happiness, and then this like sense of um, proving myself because of whatever insecurities lie in there of trying to prove myself to parents or whoever. Um, and then the stonewalling, I think, is a little bit better changed than the past. But man, <laughs> the defensive. So I feel like, you know, I have moments of any of those, but I never feel contempt in this particular case. So I, I say that because it's funny how you, you mentioned, like, you feel like that's the worst thing. And I do agree. Because um, when you get to that place, it's kind of like, uh, you've kind of in I don't know you've it's like giving up and like I'm done with this and um I don't ever feel like that but um but yeah marriage just takes work and um like you said it's not necessarily that the other person's the wrong fit and you need to end the relationship it's like there are things about you that are dynamically interacting with this other person and their flaws and their strengths and you've got to have both people willing to kind of like you know um uh, what's the word, uh, call yourself out, have an awareness. Um, yeah, it's, I think, I think you have to check yourself. It, it, so it's, it's making me think on a number of different levels here. The, I, I, I do like, again, and not necessarily a opinion per se, because it's like, and I don't want us to make it sound like it's mm -hmm. us coming forth saying, Oh, con you know, contempt is, is the bad thing. But, yeah. um, you know, that was their, from their data, it's when contempt rises its head that really you need to start taking a, a worrisome look at your relationship because that's where there's going to start proceeding into this kind of abyssal phase because you no longer appreciate the person and you don't even feel that they're worthy to provide you any sort of meaningful feedback anymore. Yeah. But I also then I was thinking about the other three horsemen with the criticism, the defensiveness and the stonewalling those are going to be present in our communication, really, whether it's with your significant other or any other person where I have a tendency to default, because those are natural human, human communication patterns. I think what the major difference is, though, is if you is all, it almost comes down to a sense of safety, which is, again, outside of the contempt and, and actually willingness, where do you in your relationship feel safe enough and comfortable enough to both give critical content or communication to the person that you're involved with and receive that 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 critical content in a manner that you are not going to immediately jump to defensiveness or if you do you are aware enough that you can process and come back and say hey you were right and and rather than stonewalling and not hearing it is to actually listen with intent to to uh, try to understand what it is that the, the person your loved one is communicating to you and i because i'm listening to this because I, I don't ever want to fall in the trap that every relationship is supposed to work you know I, I don't i do think that um oftentimes people don't put as much work into a relationship as maybe we need to because we have this disney-esque idea that somehow relationships are supposed to be easy or they're not working which is complete and other crap by the way but trying to figure out, well, when should a relationship end? Because you don't want to see people get trapped into a horrible, you know, I don't want to say necessarily a nightmare, but there's 
but in a situation where when is it time to leave? And I do think it comes around this sense of safety. If you don't feel safe anymore or comfortable that you can both give that critical content in a way that someone is going to hear you and appreciate that and be able to receive from that person information in such a way that you know that they're not trying to harm you, but they're trying to perhaps provide a perspective that there's a point of conflict around that may be a good indicator that maybe, maybe the relationship shouldn't proceed. Like maybe that's a point where, where you as the individual should start really taking a, a, a good look and saying, maybe this isn't the right thing for me to do. And again, this is not a relationship podcast in any way, shape or form. This is still a relationship topic on it. Uh, but I, I do try to work around that because I, you know, you see people who are on these you know, it's where I don't want to go either way that all relationships, if you just follow these things and recognize these principles that they're going to work. And if you're not, then somehow you have failed personally. But on the other type side of it is that, oh, there's relationships don't require any work. And so anytime things get rough, going to just dump them and find somebody else because we've seen those people too. Mm-hmm. Um, but you certainly don't want to have people trapped in some sort of relationship where they're not finding joy. They're, they're, the person they're involved with isn't finding joy and they're just staying in the relationship because of like a sunk cost fallacy where they've had five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years or whatever. And so, Oh, I can't, we can't get it. You know, we can't change. We can't separate. So anyway, that's probably a whole nother discussion for another episode. Yeah. Well, that everything you said, it's so true. And uh, my last thing I was going to mention the, in order to flourish, to do those healthy communication things, um, I feel like you have, you have to have someone where you feel like you said, safe and some of that safety psychologically, I feel like even from personal experience is when you feel like you're loved unconditionally mm-hmm. and you're not going to be judged and shamed for not being perfect, um, or criticized <laughs> in a way that makes you feel less than. And for someone who wants to please others or, you know, be perfect or whatever, when you have that shaming and that, God, God I feel like I'm eating my words right now, you know, cause I have done, I know I've done this to other people. Um, yeah, it's, it's crazy. You need to have true connection and true growth. You have to feel like it's a two way street and the love is unconditional. I hear here. I, I, uh, totally agree uh, for many different reasons, but what were you gonna hold, say? I, I'm just going to hold off because okay. I do, I, I do think that that is that unconditionality. That's a whole another episode and so important on a, on a significant relationship vet, venue for so many different reasons that we should save that for another episode. So okay. I say, take us out captain. Okay. All right. Well, for those of you joining us today, thank you. And I'm Melissa Katie, the challenge doctor with my awesome co-host, Dr. Kevin Kakaro. And if you don't know about the change physician community, you can go to thechangephysician.com and sign up as a physician or a physician ally. We'd love to see you there. And we look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Take care. Stay well, folks. Thank you for joining us today on the Change Physician Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please let us know by going to thechangephysician.com. And while you're there, be sure to check out the free book giveaways, guides, and other physician resources available to you simply by joining the community at thechangephysician.com.